Podcast One. Only two things are absolutely certain in life. Death and taxes. Hello, welcome back to Koshy's Easy Steps to Financial Success. I'm David Kosh, and I'm on a mission to help you fulfil your financial dreams. Last time we met, we spoke about family planning, the financial side at least. In this episode, we're going to talk tax. Yep, the fiscal fiend, the tax man, is part of all our lives. And so he or she should be. We live in one of the greatest countries in the world in terms of living standards. And the cost of that privilege is paying tax to provide all the services and protect what makes this country so great. But on our journey to financial success, it's all about paying the right amount of tax, not avoiding tax, not paying too much, just the right amount. So a bit later on, I'll give you my nine steps to help you with this. But first, yeah, tax is complicated. Many of us have given up trying to understand what we can and can't do, and it makes tax time a stressful scramble every year. So let me tell you what you can start doing right now to avoid another year of tax chaos. First, get organised. Tax time will be a whole lot easier if you get all your tax-related documents together. I'm talking about group certificates, bank and dividend statements, investment property accounts, receipts for those tax-deductible work or education expenses, any travel logs, and your health fund details. Don't chuck this stuff out. Keep it organised and don't forget to store it away for five years in case you're ever audited by the tax man. Track down receipts for tax-deductible expenses to maximise your return. If you know where you spent the money, go back to whoever you paid and see if they can provide a copy of the receipt or invoice. Now, bank and credit card statements showing details of purchases can be used in some cases. That makes it a lot easier. Profits on selling shares or investment properties purchased will be charged capital gains tax. But losses made on these types of investments can be offset against profits. I have a tip around this a bit later in the episode. And finally, top up your superannuation. Before tax superannuation contributions, reduce your taxable income so less money goes to the tax man and more goes into your superannuation savings. There are just so many common mistakes that can be avoided just by being organised. Forgetting to report income is very easy to do. And thanks to the ATO's comprehensive data matching systems, they very easily detect them. Think here, interest income, short-term contract or freelance work, government benefits, bonuses, dividends, and any other passive income that might come into your account. It's also important to ensure all eligible tax deductions are taken advantage of in order to avoid paying a dollar more in tax than absolutely necessary. But whatever you do, don't overstep the line. I recently read a suggestion from one so-called expert 
who suggested women could buy a $2,000 handbag and claim it as a work deduction if it carried their laptop. Yes, while claiming a computer bag is deductible, I reckon claiming a designer handbag just pushes it a bit too far. And for goodness sake, lodge all your tax returns. This sounds a bit obvious, but there are so many people that get behind in lodging their tax returns and then are just too scared to catch up. It's worth noting that tax agents have a bit longer to get returns in. So if you can't afford your tax bill or you're running really late, it might be worth approaching a professional to lodge it for you. A colleague of mine fessed up to me recently that they hadn't lodged a tax return for 10 years. They thought the tax office may have forgotten about them. Not much chance of that, let me tell you. So I suggested they lodge them all. Own up to the mistake because it's always better if you come forward than they find you out. And yep, that colleague copped a fine for late lodgement, but guess what? After all of that, they were actually due a refund. Now, I can't believe the number of times I've had people come up to me and say, I'm getting audited. What do I do? Followed by the revelation that their records are a mess or even non-existent. It astounds me. If there is one thing you can do to stay safe at tax time is keep better records. Not only does good organisation make any audit a way easier process, but it helps you understand your financial position better. So, now you're organised, let's focus on how you pay the right amount of tax. Here are my nine easy steps to make sure you become the Goldilocks of tax that you don't pay too much or too little, but just the right amount. First things first, split your income. With joint accounts, the tax office splits the interest earned and applies the tax rate of each individual partner to their share. So the partner on the highest tax bracket pays the most tax on their interest. And it's easy to do something about this. Just put all the bank accounts and other income-producing investments in the name of the spouse on the lower income tax bracket. So income splitting is very attractive in a relationship or family where there is one primary income earner because the other spouse can earn up to eighteen dollars to $20,000 tax-free a year. But make sure this passes what I call the KISS test. If you put all your money-producing savings and investments in the name of one spouse, it's legally their money. They can do whatever they want with it. So make sure you trust them. Make sure you give each other a kiss each night and that your relationship is rock solid so they don't skip off with the cash. Step number two, have your tax adjusted. If you think you're paying too much tax, apply to have it adjusted. With interest rates at record lows, many people, particularly retirees, have seen their interest income cut sharply. Or you may have been retrenched and out of work for a few months, or your hours may have been cut back at work. You see, the tax office assumes that you are in the same position this year and that you'll make more money this year than you did last year. 
So rightly or wrongly, your tax payments will reflect that and be higher. But if you haven't, in fact, had an increase in income or it's actually gone down, then you can approach the tax office for a variation of tax. Talk to your accountant and tax agent or check out the forms on the ATO website, ato.gov.au. And make sure you get it right because the tax office will be really annoyed if you adjust it down more than is realistic. Step three, include your self-education expenses. As a general rule of thumb, you can claim a tax deduction for the costs of self-education, provided it's related to your current income earning activities. Generally, self-education is associated with courses run by schools, colleges and universities, which end up in you gaining an award, like a degree or a diploma. But you don't necessarily have to come out with a bit of paper to claim a deduction. You just have to be able to prove the skills or knowledge you gained are sufficiently related to your job, your current job, not a different profession you might aspire to. You see, the tax officer's rationale is that the completion of the course will help you get a pay rise or a promotion, earn more money, and then pay more tax. So really, they're not being supportive here. They're being pretty smart. Step number four, keep accurate records. The reason you receive your tax refund so quickly is because the tax office takes your word for what you're claiming for. They accept your calculations at face value and pay the refund. But this is not the end of the process. Through their supercomputers, all your calculations are then matched against the average of other taxpayers in the same position as you. The tax office computer will put a red flag next to you if any of your claims are out of step with the average and then they come knocking. So make sure your records are right to avoid any penalties. Keep those receipts and all those documents because did you know the tax office wins 90% of its disputes with taxpayers, not because they were wrong, but because the taxpayer couldn't produce the proper records to substantiate their claim. So don't let this happen to you. Step five, where possible, delay income into the next financial year. Every dollar we earn, whether it be from wages or investments, is taxed at our marginal rate. But if you expect to earn less income next financial year, try and delay receiving income from investments, dividends, money from a side hustle or contract work until the next financial year when you'll pay less tax on it. Step number six, top up your superannuation. Before tax superannuation contributions up to $25,000 a year, reduce your taxable income so less money goes to the tax man and more goes into your superannuation fund. Plus, after-tax contributions, which can be up to $100,000 a year, are also worthwhile because returns are taxed at a maximum of 15% and not your regular marginal income tax rate. So contributing to superannuation comes with such good tax benefits 
The only downside is the money's locked up until you retire. Step seven, offset capital gains with losses. Profits on selling investments like shares, property or managed funds purchased after 1985 will be slugged with capital gains tax. While calculating capital gains tax can be complex, it's roughly based on your marginal tax being applied to 50% of the gain. So if you invest in BHP shares for $100, sell them later for $150, you've made a $50 profit. The capital gains tax would be your marginal tax rate on $25, half the 50 But any losses made on these types of investments can be offset against the capital gain. So if you made a profit on one investment, get some advice and maybe sell some of your disasters. The losses made on the bad investments will be offset against the profits on the winners and your overall capital gains tax bill will be lower. Remember that $50 profit you just made from investing in BHP shares? If you'd invested $100 into, say, JB Hi-Fi shares, then sold them for $50, you'd have lost $50 on the deal. Offset the $50 profit from BHP with the $50 loss from JB Hi-Fi, and you pay no capital gains tax at all. Step number eight, prepay eligible expenses. Talk to your accountant or tax agent about prepaying eligible expenses into this financial year to reduce this year's taxable income. For example, interest on an investment loan attached to a property can be paid 12 months in advance. So pay bills early to reduce this year's income and in doing so, reduce this year's tax bill. Step nine, work out any negative gearing implications. Negative gearing is where you borrow to invest and if the loan repayments are more than the amount of income generated from the investment, the difference can be claimed as a tax deduction. For some reason, Australians seem to have a passion for negative gearing as the answer to all their tax problems. I have to say, though, that I reckon the advantages are exaggerated by most people. Negative gearing works best at a time of high income taxes, high inflation and high interest rates. But today, we have lower tax rates, inflation's low and interest rates have dropped. So for most people, negative gearing simply doesn't stack up in this economic environment. That's not to say don't borrow to invest, but do it because of the investment potential not just for tax reasons. And to be frank, negative gearing really only works when you're on the top marginal tax bracket. And last but not least, don't forget to claim legitimate work-related expenses. Many jobs demand spending money on unusual items, which are a necessity to earning an income. The cost of these items can be claimed against tax and are called work-related expenses. But be careful because the tax office studies these closely. For example, tradies can claim the cost of their tools. Even funeral directors can claim the cost of their black suits. And professional dancers, the cost of leg waxing, would you believe? 
I know it's hard to believe, but absolutely true. Look, the reality is that a lot of people make really dodgy claims in this area. And the tax office does look at all these claims very closely as a result. A good idea is to check out the tax office website resource centre. Again, that address, ato.gov.au. It lists the eligible work deductions for a whole range of occupations to make sure you get it right. So those were my top tips for taking the stress out of your taxes and making sure you're paying just the right amount of tax. But what is the likelihood the tax office will check up on you or come knocking on your door? Look, if you think you can cheat the tax office, forget it. Just don't even think about it. The tactics and resources the ATO has at its disposal are quite extraordinary. Around 450,000 tax reviews and audits were conducted last year alone, catching over $1.1 billion in income tax that people were trying to dodge. A lot of the latest tax enforcement techniques have come from the huge amount of data we're producing, as everything from booking a holiday to doing your banking has moved online. The tax office has the most powerful computers in the country, and many businesses are required to share their customer databases with the tax office. To give you an idea of how closely your financial moves are being scrutinised, last year, the ATO requested all credit and debit card payments received by most businesses. That's an incredible amount of information that was matched against tax office records for clues on what was missing. On top of that wide-ranging banking and retail data, add employers, health insurers, state and federal agencies, and overseas tax offices to the list of data providers. And if you buy a car, boat, home or artwork, assume that transaction will end up in the tax office computer. The analysis of this data is increasingly sophisticated and specifically designed to look for income tax returns that might be missing information, contain wonky numbers, or simply don't stack up. For example, if you buy a flash luxury car, details of that purchase will be sent to the tax office, which will check your tax return to see if you've declared enough income to pay for the car. If you haven't, They'll ask where the money came from to buy the car, and you better have a good answer. It's that sophisticated. The tax office just doesn't look at your tax return by itself either. It also cross-references claims with data from other businesses, websites, and financial institutions. They also compare you to taxpayers in similar circumstances to see if your claims are significantly different. Picture a flat line on a chart representing, oh, say, the average transport deduction for a person of your age in your profession living in your city. If you've claimed too much, your dot will be out of place on the chart and stand out like a sore thumb and, I guarantee, will be investigated. The tax office also welcomes whistleblowers with open arms and encourages people to come forward 
and report their suspicions in confidence. If the ATO thinks there's enough information to warrant a closer look, they'll follow it up. While this seems like a long shot, just consider how many people you may have peeved off in the last couple of years. Divorce partners, ex-employees, old work colleagues. There is sure to be a couple at least who wouldn't mind dobbing you in. And each year, the tax office identifies key areas of tax law they think might be up for some clever accounting and place a special focus on them. It's fair to assume that second jobs through the sharing or gig economy are up for some extra scrutiny at the moment. Did you know Airbnb, eBay and Uber all provide the tax office with transaction data? Think about that if you use them to make extra income. That said, you might as well assume a special focus on everything you do just to be safe. Apart from massive computer power, the tax office also collects information in rather unusual ways. I've heard a few impressive stories from tax accountants over the years. In one case, tax officers were sitting in football car parks and taking down car regos on utes to check private versus business use deductions. And at the more sophisticated end of town, there was a smash and grab raid on a hotel room to seize evidence of offshore tax evasion. And now the tax office can keep an even closer eye on you than ever before. From July 2019, payrolls went fully digital with a system called Single Touch Payroll. It means tax and superannuation data is sent to the tax office every single payday, helping the tax man keep an even closer eye on employers. The best advice to escape trouble is the same as always. Don't push the envelope. If you attract the attention of the ATO with a few small mistakes, you might quickly find your records being scrutinised top to bottom, and that's no fun, especially if you haven't kept your records organised. So get organised, pay the right amount of tax, and don't underestimate the information the tax office has access to. If you want to learn more, head to the Your Money and Your Life website. There are plenty of articles and some hints from Libby and I. That's ymyl.com.au. Good luck, and when you're ready to take the next step in getting your financial life under control, I'll be here waiting. Koshy's Easy Steps to Financial Success was presented by David Kosh and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Melody Ruiz. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search... Koshi's Easy Steps to Financial Success podcast.